In today's episode, we'll be chatting with Saurabh Parikh, product manager lead at PayPal. Saurabh will discuss what it's like to work as a product manager at PayPal, working on the future of consumer financial services. He'll share general insights from his experience as a PM, as well as how we got started in the field. I'm your host, Blaine Stillerman, a fellow product manager in the tech world, and I'm very excited to have you join us. For tonight, I'm really excited to be chatting with Saurabh Parikh from PayPal, uh, product manager over there, and really excited to chat more about a uh, little, little bit about everything uh, product. So um, thank you all for joining us, and I'd love to hand it over to Saurabh to introduce himself, and uh, we'll jump in. Absolutely. Hey, uh, everyone. Thank you so much for having me uh, here. Really lovely. I think it's also good in a way because we have, um, it just feels like having everyone in a room together since we all are here. So really excited. Uh, like, uh, like I mentioned, I am a lead PM at PayPal right now, which is a, a fintech and financial services company operating in 200 plus markets. Um, in terms of my journey, I think I'll just highlight a couple of things which probably would be in uh, interesting for you all and I would also love to uh, learn about you all from what backgrounds you all come from so keep sharing about you in the chat uh, I started my PM journey from a startup which I was working on so that was my first exposure as a PM so I think probably I would be sharing those shoes with some of you who are uh, you know into into those shoes right now and I transitioned into PM working in a startup moving to another startup and then moving to PayPal getting exposed to global product development and uh, uh, working on that for last 12 years. So really exciting space. The space has really changed in last 12 years. So people who are already PMs, you'll probably be able to relate that as a function, it has really matured for good. And we will chat more about that, but really excited to be speaking about um, product management as a function, super passionate about it. So thank you again, all for joining and thank you Blaine for hosting. Yeah, for sure. Definitely excited to to dive in and, and Really want to also just kind of get an understanding of, of, of how you got started in product. And I think, as you mentioned, product definitely has changed over the past few years. Um, even from when it first kind of came up as a field, it's definitely evolved significantly. So how, how did you get started? So how did you land your, your kind of first job and, and what was that first company? Yeah, so for me, to be honest, the journey to become a PM was quite organic in some senses and unplanned in some senses as well. That I did not really at a point knew that there is a function like product manager, which you can do and what it really does. But for me, I was studying engineering uh, and I was having a, a startup which was working into edtech space specifically. We were working on it for a couple of years and just like any founder uh, role or anyone who is part of core team of a startup, you're doing a lot of things. And that's where basically you are learning a lot of things. And it's early stage when you are especially 18, 19, 20, you are very open to probably experimenting with a lot of things. And when it didn't work out, I was really trying to find that, hey, what is the closest to be able to work on something you're passionate about? But then you have a lot of autonomy, you have a lot of ability to build something and ship something which you can measure. And that's how I really got connected to a, a amazing edtech founder in India who's running an edtech media house. And uh, he was comfortable giving a 21-year-old an opportunity to work at his company and also, you know, build products. Because again, for building product, and especially when you're going to a startup, one of the things that really matter is not just what product it is, but also can you ethically and, you know, uh, in, in a lot of senses relate to the vision and mission of that company. So I think that was my way to get started into it that because I was super passionate about edtech um, as a domain and opportunities, you know, good education can bring to people. That was my foray into that company. And again, I did not start as a product manager specifically because it was a small company. I was building a marketplace of educational products over there. So I did BD as well. I was also doing operations since you we were setting up our call center and so many other things. I was also building products and I was also working with a lot of brands to bring them on board in order to you know, have their products catered. Because again, all this was a new market. We were trying to change a lot of things. So yeah, in traditional sense, it may not map to a lot of product manager things, but they were yeah. components of building product in general. So that's how I got an opportunity to be a product manager. And then as, as I progressed in my career, I learned that there are so many flavors of product manager because as a function, product role came from companies like PNG, 
where a product manager was managing those products and it eventually now people think that product manager is a tech thing but actually there can be product managers who's managing so many amazing things in the world right so that is that is also an interesting way to look at uh, people can be product manager of things beyond tech as well totally and and definitely must be must have been a really exciting time wearing all the hats and getting getting exposed to all those different facets of the company so how did you get started is this is this a company you you co-founded you joined as you know early employee like what what was your how do you get that that first step yeah and that's an important question and i think we all go through uh, th this is when my startup didn't work out and this was a startup which was i would say in in a stage of 50 plus employees already so though still early okay. stage but still in a in a model where it still had some business already built in mm -hmm. um and i think in order how you really find those opportunities it's really important to be comfortable to reach out because how i found this opportunity is i sent a message to the founder on facebook because i was connected to him um and i just dropped him a note that hey the thing i was working on is not working out i would love to have an opportunity can we have a chat and that's how you just get an opportunity and he said hey we are doing this thing would you be willing to work on that for 7 to 10 days and we see how you are working so in in some senses you may think that hey they didn't ask me for an interview they asked me that they are hosting an event and if i can be part of that core team to organize that event but if you see in some senses it's a different way to just interview someone by letting them work for you see if they are a cultural fit how they work with the whole team and if they can deliver what they are asked to deliver so that's how i got my way in and i think a lot of uh, i would say young college graduates in some sense can also learn from that that if you are really passionate about something it's totally okay to reach out to people because the worst that can happen is they would not respond but if you would not reach out to them they can never respond back to you so uh what worked well sure. for me is just being comfortable to hearing no um and and reaching out really added value to me i love it i love it i think it, it might have been wayne gretzky or michael scott or someone where you miss 100% of the shots you don't take so um definitely it definitely pays to put yourself out there and in in you know see see what opportunities exist um i'm i'm curious so so when you first started your first company that didn't uh that didn't kind of go as as planned was that as a you, were you kind of more on the technical side so as an engineer um or other other facets i i think if i look back now it was more aligned to product operations for you know building okay. a core product because our product was building communities in some senses yeah. so it, i would also categorize it at product operations to a good level um yeah. and and that's what we were focusing on and again when you are starting something uh wherever you need to put your hand you would do it whether it's building your product or it's you know even cleaning your own office you really have to be up for doing everything because that is your job that is your own baby you have to grow uh and and that's where i got an exposure that there is a role like product manager which actually allows you to have multiple skills and actually act like a gm in some senses i would say i would not say ceo of a product because it sometimes does not really resonate that way but i would truly say that a lot of pms have an opportunity to operate like a gm and that is the most fascinating part i think which attracted me when i was working into startup into a similar role and uh, and and i think it it is still true for almost all companies which are uh, recognizing pm as a function to grow totally Yeah no it's it's it, it's great because it, it also or it's funny because it it resonates a lot with with kind of my story as well in terms of just just kind of that allure of being able to have um the ability to influence different parts of of that organization um especially in an early stage company so that's really that's really awesome with with the second kind of second role and you you uh trying things out right like they give you an opportunity to try things out what uh I, Sounds like it it went well and you you stayed on with the company. What what was that like? What what were you trying out when you first started and and what did that turn into? Yeah, I think that's a valid uh, question and I'll put it in this way. And again, a lot of these thoughts have matured over a period of time as I look back. I think when you are in your first job especially, one of the things that really make a difference and actually make or break your career in some senses is really being able to have an open mind to that because your opinions would change over a period of time 
uh, we do expect sometimes PMs to have strong opinions, but strong opinions would only come when you have a lot of understanding of the market of topics you have read enough. So I think for me, especially when I started, it is, it is like having a clean slate where having an open mind, being able to take the risk, which I could afford to at that time, being able to really find smart people more than high paying jobs, uh, being able yeah. to define my ethical boundaries that what I would do and what I would not do. Uh, and really being open to learn in some senses, because there are so many skills we may not have, and we would basically learn on the job. And those are the things that made a difference, especially in that job. But I think a lot of things change when you move to your second job, because you kind of have learned and got hang of really working in a mm -hmm. professional setup, you have acquired skills to deliver things. And I think things change a lot from second job. But I think some of the things I mentioned around being really open minded, being really focused on defining what is ethical for you, what is not and what you want to learn are really crucial. And that helps you, you know, really love your job and not just treat it like, uh, you know, it's it's a job for you and really helps you build strong relationships, to be honest, because that's your first entry point in the market, uh, in the industry. And irrespective, you would see there are thousands and, you know, hundreds of thousands of PM across the world, but it is still a very small community. You can reach out to people and you can still, you know, uh, learn from someone else, or you can just uh, ask for some help. And I think that's what the first job really made a difference. And I think those are still some of the best people I know. So I think first job really is always going to be memorable for a lot of people. And second job onwards, I think you are much more proficient to optimize on what went well or didn't went well in the first job. I, I really like that perspective. It, it's definitely, especially on your first job, you're not really sure you're kind of feeling things out, but then in the second, third, fourth job, you're, you're being able to learn from, from what you've experienced. But I also really like your point on being able to build those connections, right? Because even when you start your first job, even if it's not in product, you're building out, you're continuing to learn and you're also continuing to meet people that also might help open doors down the road. And, and it's kind of part of the uh, quintessential networking, if you will, but ultimately it's about trying to also understand like what are some of those opportunities that exist. And, you know, you, especially with, it sounds like you were connected with someone on, on Facebook um, and they had this opportunity that you were able to join. So that's, it's, it's definitely uh, really commonplace for, for those types of things to happen, which is, yeah, which is really uh, great. And, and I think another way to also look at it is networking as a construct can be very challenging to some people sometimes, right? Mm -hmm. Like for me as an introvert, I would not want to reach out to 20 people, 30 people, 50 people. Uh, some people are great at those kind of skills as well, but then there are different personalities, but what you are able to find is build those meaningful connections in those times. You may not be able to reach out to 50, but you would be able to find out those five people, 10 people that you can relate to that you feel inspired by, or you just get a sense that, you know, you can learn something from them. And I think that's where it just becomes a better relationship because it is not just a relationship of exchange of some value but it is a relationship where you know you mutually respect each other in some senses so i think even if uh, you know uh, someone is in a, in a mindset that hey networking is for extrovert it's not uh, it the magnitude may vary but to be honest in networking what matters is the depth of relationship not really the breadth i like it i like that i like that framing um so, so we're we're in the you're in the the second ed tech startup, and in are you are you doing a kind of product role, or are you kind of just wearing all the different hats, or including products, or how does that that kind of tie in? Yeah, I think for second job onwards, it became very specific to product management role, though because it was again a startup, and uh, there would be some variations of product flavor. But when I joined this fintech startup, uh, some of you may know about PTM in India. Uh, when I joined in 2006, 2014, it was a startup which was just getting funded, just getting traction, had less than 10 million users, I believe, that time. And in the next couple of years, when I was leaving, it had around 200 million plus customers. Now it has 350 million customers. So it was literally wow. a rocket ship in some senses. And more important than it being a fast-growing startup, it actually gives an exposure to some really smart people uh, and some really passionate people, even more importantly, who were really committed to building something new. 
And I think that's what becomes very different that because that was my first dedicated PM job in some senses, having access to some of, you know, really wonderful people who were willing to build something which didn't exist in the market. They were also willing to train people who were in the company if they knew something else. So I think it, it was a really great ecosystem for me to learn how PM things work and people who came from other places were also able to really contribute that, Hey, this thing worked for us. This thing didn't work for us. And what can we do differently? Because PM job at a startup or a mid scale company or a bigger company can be so different based on the market you yeah. operate in. And so many cultural nuances also come into picture. And I think that job basically, I would say was foundation of PM for me in some senses, just to get to know how you evolve as a PM. Got it. I love it. What are, what are some of the things you, you did to, um, you did to kind of get into that flow? So it sounds like there were other PMs that were joining the company. And it sounds like there was a really great opportunity for you to continue to learn and try to learn from other peers and, and how things are run at this company, as well as what they've you know, brought from their, their past uh, experiences. How, how did you facilitate some of those conversations or events or meetings or what did that look like? Uh, you mean from the opportunity to join a new company or just navigate? No, from so at this at this current company, um, you were mentioning how you're able to learn so much from the new folks who are joining. So I'm I'm curious, right. like mechanically, how did that actually work? Was it just like, hey, hey, Steve, uh, you know, in in the product team, can we chat? Or how did that manifest? Yeah, and I think that's where a lot of nuances really come in because I think because it was a smaller company, mm -hmm. uh, it was more like if you can call someone, do not send them an email. If you can go and talk to someone, you don't need to call them. Basically how you can remove the barriers of execution mm -hmm. was a very important philosophy in some senses, which actually made conversations very uh, fluent in some senses that you do not need to wait on things if there is an opportunity for us to you know have a discussion uh, of course you would be respectful of someone else's time you would uh, take care of, of all those things in consideration but i think for a for a fast growing startup in general for any uh, company the bias to action becomes very important and speed to delivery becomes very important and i think when everyone is aligned on some of those core principles it becomes very easy so i think from stakeholder management perspective, and probably we'll talk about how some of the stakeholder management can vary from uh, scale of the company as well. Mm -hmm. Because it was an early stage, there was a faster opportunity to decide and a faster ability to also decide that it's okay if we fail. So I think that really helped in stakeholder management because I had the same understanding what someone else also had. And there mm -hmm. was an openness in the discussion in some senses. The second thing that is really important in stakeholder management is as a PM, you are always either selling yourself or you are selling your product because eventually sometimes you're not just betting on an idea, right? Like it's not just about a VC funding, a startup. It is also about a CEO uh, reviewing 10 product managers proposal because not all ideas come from the CEO. There would be ideas which would be coming bottom up, but it is eventually on a PM's ability in some senses to be able to learn and communicate the impact you can drive or the value there is or the investment you need and so many things. So I think some of those things surface so many opportunities to just learn that early stage stakeholder communication of how you can build something you truly believe is meaningful for the company and actually company because they have limited resources, they would also have to make a choice that is this the best idea they need to put money on. And I think that are the foundations of stakeholder communication for me in some senses. Got it. Yeah, no, totally, totally resonate with that. And I, I like how you, you, the, how you phrase it, you're either selling your product or you're selling yourself. And, and it, I think it's definitely true in terms of being able to be as a PM, you're, you're also ultimately the evangelist of your product. So whatever your, whatever domain you're managing of it, being able to know it inside and out and being able to help share that, but also as part of your own brand. And, and, you know, especially as, as you mentioned, it's, it's about how do you make sure your visibility is, is there? And I think that's also something for a lot of folks who are here, who are just breaking into or just exploring product or just trying to get started. Um, that's definitely a skill that, that being able to help uh, think about how to present 
um, not just yourself, but the, the work you do is a key, key part in product management. Um, and it's definitely something you'll see for time and time again. Um, so I love it. So, so your second company, you're, you're, you're starting to ramp things up. You're, you're really becoming, starting to polish things up uh, as a product manager. What was the next step? Because um, of course you're, you're at PayPal now. Where, what, are, what are some of those steps in between? Yeah, so I think PayPal was an interesting decision in that sense because this was the first big company I was really getting into and I didn't had an exposure to work in a multinational company before. And I think that kind of made the decision also easy because PayPal is a legendary company in some senses, right? Like I grew up hearing the stories about, you know, people like Elon Musk and Peter Thiel and the PayPal mafia. Yeah. So as a kid, when you think about, you know, growing up in India or, you know, any country other than US, you know, there are some countries, companies which basically had a lot of dent created in how tech has evolved. So when someone reached out to me from PayPal, I was like, okay, this sounds like an interesting thing, but it does offer so many different challenges as a person to train yourself to operate into that ecosystem. But I think what has really happened for me as an opportunity at a company like PayPal is it really exposes you to so many different things and different things, not in terms of what you just do as a PM, but more importantly, different things in terms of just cultures. Uh, you know, when you're working with people from, you know, 50 countries and they all come from very different backgrounds and bring their own uh, great ideas, you are able to really understand that the narrow world you were operating in some senses, the world is much bigger than that. And I think that's what made my transition from uh, a, a company like Paytm, which was operating into one market or two market to a company which was operating into 200 markets. And more importantly, it also gave me an opportunity to really be able to close to users in so many countries, you know, just being able to travel there, being able to meet so many of the colleagues as well as consumers, really being able to upskill the understanding of how you build a product strategy when there is so much, uh, you know, decision-making and so much approvals and so much, uh, you know, blood, sweat and tears would really go into making something live. So I think uh, that are some of the factors which made it easy. But again, uh, as we will talk more about like, you know, working of a PM in some of the bigger companies, I think one of the things uh, which is really important is you eventually end up polishing some of the things which were lesser recognized as a PM skill, for example, business strategy, for example, your skills around financial plannings and PNL, uh, your ability to lead and not just execute. And I think that just becomes very transformational. And that again, plays a key role of what companies really, you know, um, striving towards. And specifically, for example, for PayPal, uh, it is really committed on one thing that is democratizing financial services. So when you are aligned, at least on the mission, it becomes kind of, I would say simple uh, to be able to go forward and do things you want to do. And I think uh, that became a really phenomenal decision in some senses. Got it. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it, I'm sure it must've been pretty, pretty wild just to kind of go from the, the, just the stark difference in terms of, sheer size and especially that brand recognition. Um, I'm, I'm curious when you, when you first got started in PayPal, what, what was that like? What, what was the team you're on? What was the product you're working on? Yeah. So when I moved to PayPal, I was based in Bangalore for a year or so, a uh, year, year and a half. And, um, I was managing a global product. So of course the complexity of a global product were there and I was taking care of how PayPal engages with consumers in their life cycle to offer them. Uh, you know, any kind of reward, any kind of gamification or those kind of, you know, engagement tools in some senses. That was something which I was working on for around a year. And it was challenging, especially because when I started and markets I was working on, I probably had no idea of the psyche of those consumers in those countries. So when I was building uh, for something for US and UK, it's still slightly easier because they are English speaking countries. There is a lot of content and information available. You have a lot of people to talk to. But when I looked at countries like France or Germany or Spain, where I had never been to, and the behaviors can be so different. I think it, it was a pretty interesting year for me to train my myself to be uh, really able to understand these markets much better than the understanding I had at the beginning. 
And that's where I invested my initial one year. And during that time, I was getting prepared to move to US to take a role which I was personally very passionate about was to manage the PayPal's flagship consumer app. And I think that's where my role basically transformed into, into something even much more deeper for how consumers really use mobile applications, and especially when we looked at you know, uh, 300 million consumers who were using PayPal in that sense, it becomes even more important to see how you build your mobile products, how they are not just limited to a set of users to use, but you know, um, how your accessibility is working, how your, um, you, know, you are not discriminating consumers in instances, how your products are really secure, and how some of those things become ultra critical not just you know in in terms of that oh it needs to be secure but it needs to be secure to a level that a consumer would not have a second thought in their mind before using the product so i think that transition from first year to second year was was a major one and also because i was relocating from india to us uh during the, my second year so so yeah I, I think a lot of things really changed with moving countries and then getting to work on a new and exciting role got it no, definitely. This I, I'm curious how, like, as you mentioned before, each product manager kind of handles things a little differently in different organizations. So product or you know product management in general, it has a lot of different flavors across organizations, industries, etc. I'm curious, what does that look like at PayPal? Um, and I'm, I'm curious also how that shakes out across teams. But I'm in general, how does that look at PayPal? So I think uh, as a company it some of the things that become at least ubiquitous for all employees is what we are really truly working towards and i think some of those core missions and uh, vision of paypal we at least fundamentally keep discussing it enough that those things get ingrained in your culture for example any decision we need to make as a product manager and it's a it's an important mental shift like it's easier said than done kind of thing where we believe really strongly into consumer first strategies that anything we are building any decision we are making the decision would always be made in favor of the consumer that if it would be valuable for them or not it doesn't matter how much revenue it would generate or not now it really seems counterintuitive especially to me when i was early in my career that hey uh, we have heard so many opinions that oh consumers don't always know what they want but then that is kind of the role that you get trained uh, because the company culture is very clear on some of the core principles and you know what you're going to prioritize and then eventually you also kind of embrace and learn that some of those were very strong and i would say tough decisions in some senses but they really train you for good in in that way so that is one part as a culture i think all pms at paypal get trained with that mindset of customer first strategy and decision making the second thing that becomes really important is it's a global company. So people are not all based in one city or one state or one country. Uh, teams are diversified uh, across the globe. So you really get the understanding of working with people coming from different backgrounds, different mindsets, you know, different cultures. Uh, but then again, everyone working on the same kind of uh, you know delivery or same product in that sense. And it really trains you that as the PM, your job is not just to deliver something, but it is also really important for you how you are able to navigate a very strong team culture. And again, I think PM has a strong role in driving team culture. So I think that becomes an opportunity for a lot of PMs at PayPal that because they're working so cross-functionally and you know uh, with people in so many countries, you have a strong opportunity to be that cultural champion in some senses. And I think that becomes a really great um, uh, nuance for enjoying your time uh, working as a PM at PayPal. The last thing I would really highlight is uh, the ability to really upskill because I think in my time and five years in PayPal, one of the things which is really differentiating for me is the openness of a company to invest on a PM really learning. And I think actually acknowledging that, hey, you need to upskill. So for example, small things, and I think a lot of companies now do, which is a really good thing is to have a good enough budget for an employee available at their disposal to use for upskilling. So for example, we have five, $6,000 every year, which I can find courses externally, internally, anywhere, which is relevant to my job as a PM. And it would help me in coming years. And I can just pursue whether it's 
you know, doing something at a university, doing something at, let's say, Reforge or elsewhere. And it just becomes like, you know, culturally very important to upskill. And I think it also became one of the reasons for me to learn one thing new every year, because it gave me a freedom to, you know, kind of invest on my learning every year, so which is which is super helpful. And I think as, as PM, it consistently makes sure that, you know, you are growing um, and you are learning and you are never stopping to think that, oh, now I'm perfect. Now I don't need to learn anything else. Always, always learning, always growing. I love it. What are what what are some of the things you're upskilling? Or like what what do, what are you working on this year? Oh, so I think what I have learned over the last few years, I kind of tried to focus on things which were very important. Then I'll come to this year. Uh, when I started as a PM, there were three key domains I identified that that are really important for me, which I personally was passionate about. They were uh, how we can provide easy access to education, how financial services can be more accessible to people, and third is healthcare. And the companies I've generally worked for is more into edtech and fintech space. And I was always curious that, you know, where else can I contribute? Because I was really interested into public policy and I was always thinking that, hey, as a PM, I'm building a product. But then if you build the wrong product, it can do so much damage, right? Like if you build a edtech product and it is, uh, you know, generating revenue but giving not the best recommendation or best information it can ruin someone's career similarly in finance you can easily you know um, uh, there are so many companies who may not be doing the business in the most ethical senses similarly in healthcare and i think a couple of initial decisions i made to learn were on public policy and data privacy and cyber forensics so for example in 2018-19 that's what i focused on that one year i learned about public policy and how things like GDPR, things like so many other things uh, affect. And then second was how data privacy as a whole in countries are evolving. And especially during those years, GDPR was such an important topic with Europe adopting that and US also getting very serious about data privacy policies. So are other countries. That's what I focused on. And I continued in this fashion um, and invested last year, for example, on uh, uh, Reforge, uh, which, is, which is a growth series, very interesting. Uh, curriculum uh, for some of product managers who are thinking into growth series. This year, I'm actually trying to improve um, on something which I feel is really important for PM, uh, that is on finance and budgeting specifically. Mm. Now, for people who come from background of you know commerce or specifically finance-heavy programs, it is already a great skill they already possess. But for me as an engineer, I'm good at maths, but I never really went so deep into, you know, budgeting and PNL analysis and those kind of things. So yeah, my personal goal for this year is to be really great at that and actually continue on that um, journey, which eventually kind of contributes to one or the other skills of PM. For sure. I, I'm curious, it, identifying that as a, as a skill to, to kind of work on is, can you, can you share with the, the group, like how that ties into your current role? So the finance yeah. and, and budgeting. Yeah, and I think it really changes with the, as you are growing in your career or growing in the role. Uh, one of the magical things about growing in career, I think is unlearning and it carries equal or actually more weightage in some cases than learning. And as you start your PM career, like I said, you give a lot of emphasis to understanding the strategy. And I'm specifically calling out understanding, not building. And more importantly, defining great requirements, being great at execution, you're biased towards action. Uh, you measure what you launch and you do retrospectives or postmortems. Though, as you evolve in your career uh, and you have solidified your execution muscle, you really need to move to the left of the funnel. Um, and that's where it becomes very important for any PM, whether you are platform PM or growth PM or you know, consumer experiences PM to build a stronger muscle in strategic thinking in identifying the right opportunities before the market does, mm -hmm. uh, being able to have great business sense and even more importantly, not be blinded by bias to action. That every time you have an idea, you don't need to execute. So I think having that muscle to learn, to be able to analyze the market and being able to know that if you should do it or not, and being able to say no a lot more becomes very important. 
and one of the areas in that is around you know broadly how do you have better understanding of creating a product strategy creating a strong finance understanding of what you want to build it may look very attractive but how do you eventually make money on that now it is not about you know you need to get your company richer all the time but then only businesses which sustain are the ones which are sustainable right even the most ethical businesses that are built they need to have a business model which can sustain them think about great organizations which are doing amazing work across the world they cannot really unfortunately continue doing the great work if they don't have money so that doesn't mean they need to you know kind of steal people's money but they still need to provide the services and charge uh, people in an equitable way in some senses and i think that's where finance becomes very important especially for the role i have at paypal i focus on uh, financial services and financial health areas of uh, products which we work on paypal where our market is unserved and underserved uh, users and i think probably a lot of folks who are joining are from us and they may or may not be aware that those some of us live in you know big cities or smaller cities but then half of us does not even have 400 if they have an emergency of let's say the car uh, breaking down right so though we kind of can think that oh there is so much um, so much great things happening in you know even developed markets but then there are so many problems which a good percentage of population is still going through now when you are building products for them you do want to make sure you do it ethically you do it right uh, but then you still need to find opportunities to to build a product which is sustainable and that can keep going for multiple years and that's where finance understanding business understanding becomes really really essential now that doesn't mean you only need to implement those at later part in your career if you are someone who is already great at some of those skills i'm sure you know pms would already be applying that but I, i'm just sharing in terms of my context that because i came from engineering background that is a skill i felt that for a pm is tremendously helpful and if you know you are a pm or you are entering that space and you think that you're not great at it right now i would highly recommend you to invest on that it would be super helpful for your career yeah totally totally resonate with that as well and and just being able to understand how businesses operate um i definitely know a lot of product managers that are are more on the either design or uh more on the engineering side but having a business sense is is super critical really having a good sense in in all those areas uh um is really important but definitely on the business strategy and that applies for all organizations and and that's something that you see a lot of the companies with in um from my experience in the smaller side super important but you're showing here that definitely on the larger side as well it's it continues to to be an important part um so uh really awesome advice there I I'm curious a couple of questions in the chat and I want to make sure that everyone has the opportunity to also um um ask questions in the chat so want to also kind of address some of those so it uh, looks like Julia here has a question on what are some of the best learning resources that you found so especially as you continue to upskill and continue to learn or unlearn as you mentioned um what are what are some of those those resources yeah and i think uh, it can vary depending on what kind of learner you are in some senses some people are great at reading books some people are not great at books but they prefer articles some people like audio books versus some people are visual learners and they only like video content so i think the first part of defining your learning plan is really being able to identify what kind of a learner are you are you a visual learner are you uh, a reader and and don't fall in the trap that just because everyone is saying reading books is important you just need to read books and you know that's the only way to gain uh -huh. knowledge so i think for me personally um i love audiobooks as well but then for me they don't work so well uh hence i prefer paper books and that's what has been my go to way to really learn uh because i just am able to keep a track of how i'm learning though i love audio content especially with podcasts so some of the things mm. and some of the podcast uh, and for example actually let me open and share my top 5 podcasts which i always listen so for example when i look at my library what features i think close to the top is masters of scale uh, that's a podcast which is hosted by reed hoffman really great podcast very interesting narration and i think just you think like a pm you would really appreciate the 
not just the quality of content but the quality of production as well how they do the storytelling because eventually um, you know you do get the learning of what uh, they both are sharing um, but then you do understand that how telling a good story is also so critical another thing which is really interesting for me always is there is a podcast called we study billionaires really good podcast for mm. example you can and again there are so many other podcasts which you can uh, uh, go and uh, look around so that is one source the second source which i'll really recommend is at least the good thing and uh, coming back to the point which we spoke in beginning of the discussion that the pm as a function has evolved a lot and one of the reasons it has evolved a lot is some of the best uh, people in the industry they have started putting a lot of effort to give back and they have started writing really great great blogs sharing their observations things they actually learned over a period of time which you can actually absorb so being able to follow some of those people and i'll not name someone specifically but you know um, anyone on twitter anyone on uh, their blogs or their you know substack you have um, has been super helpful lastly one thing which has been really helpful for me is just being able to organize information right see because the problem of having too much information is analysis paralysis that you just have too much to read and you really don't know what to uh, read so being able to shortlist that hey this is something i would do every single day no matter which day it is now whether it's a saturday or a sunday i would still invest in my learning because i'm not doing it for my job i'm doing it for myself so whether you use an extension so for example i use an extension which organizes five websites for me uh, it has techcrunch and reddit top forums on technology and then you know it has something on design it has something on technology uh, like engineering architecture and those things and then one has on politics which talks about especially on tech politics that you know when tech policies are being created what is happening so that's how i organize my information um but again you need to find out what way really works for you if reading works for you if audio works for you if video works for you but whatever you decide on just do it every day uh, i think the difference would come from that punctuality more than the quality of resources in some senses got it so more about the the habit per se of, of continuing to learn i agree yeah i think that. building habit would be the core got it i love it Great tip. Um, we have another question from Janice. Do you need to have a lot of technical skills to thrive as a PM? Um, I'm sure there's a lot of opinions out there, but from your perspective, what do you think? So I really think that um, you don't need to have a lot of technical understanding. So let's really uh, be open on that. Though I do agree that it does help. And think of it this way, like 20 years back, uh, or even 10 years back programming was a thing which only software engineers were doing but now you see so many no code startups coming in you mm. see coding is being taught as a basic skill even to school students now does that mean everyone needs to become a software engineer no it is becoming more of a life skill to just understand technology and i would put it this way let's say you are coming and actually that is a need of the industry too we have a lot of pms who only come from engineering background or you know mba background and none of those backgrounds are really necessary for you uh, what is necessary is some of the skills which you learn um, in in those functions so for example as an engineer you learn how to think logically now when you create a flow chart for example you can write words in english as well what is important is are you able to structurally think and make objective choices where even though you have empathy even though you have emotions are you able to translate into a logical flow so if you are not from you know technical background and you are let's say from liberal arts or you are from uh, you know finance background definitely invest in learning how technology systems work because eventually whatever you would build would need technology to be enabled right uh, so you do need to work with your engineers uh, it's it's the same equation for design right there would be design experts you would not be a design expert but then you would still learn the nuances of design that hey what is system design what are apple guidelines what are android guidelines for building a mobile app um, how does mobile app behavior changes when they are being used on a lower end device versus higher end device and so on right so think of technical skills as a skill you need but it's not a mandatory thing to come from that background so invest keeping that hat 
and i think you will you will thrive uh, till the time you are able to find that right balance of information and understanding you need to have that helps you navigate your journey with your engineering teams it would be it would be super flourishing uh, but you do not need to get into the hat that hey i need to know programming and i need to know this if you don't need if you don't know that's totally okay there are pms who are really great at experiences and they may not be knowing anything about programming but they are phenomenal in the work they do yeah totally totally resonate with that and and something else to add there is that a lot of the in terms of as a product manager having a good understanding of how things get, come together is helpful like understanding what a webhook depending on what your product is understanding what an api is not necessarily understanding how to build an api but more so what what is, what is what are some of these different components? What is an API or what are some of the components of your work? And that also helps build strong relationships with your engineers. Because as a product manager, you're working with your engineers day in and day out. So being able to uh, quote unquote, kind of speak their language a little bit more is really helpful. Um, but I really I really like how you're, you're framing it. And, and I really like your, your commentary on just the logical flow. Having that down is, is super important and uh, that actually helps for on my side, kind of connecting dots and like why a lot of engineers uh, make really strong product managers as well as having that logical flow, um, which is really, really cool to see. Um, but so, again, I'll, I'll also highlight in that. I think as we all think about that, though a lot of engineers or I'm a culprit of that as well. A lot of engineers do make good product managers, but again, the more we see that amalgamation of different backgrounds of PM coming together, like there is no reason why a rocket scientist should not be a product manager, right? Uh, there are so many of our colleagues in PayPal who come from uh, armed forces in US and other countries, and they bring a very different kind of mindset and uh, you know experience uh, building tech product, and, and and they are great at what they do as well, even in tech. So I think, like like you said, Blaine, I think uh, both of those sites are important, but uh, one of the challenge, and I'll also address one point I think Kushal has mentioned um, in, in the top about he having software engineering experience and good action plan to move into PM. I think I would also recommend you, Kushal, to really spec out why do you want to become a PM? Because I completely understand it is one of the uh, jobs which a lot of uh, you know people from engineering and MBA backgrounds go for. But is that really the job you want versus is the decision getting influenced in some senses by what people around you are doing? So I would mm -hmm. definitely recommend you look at it as a career prospect, but also look at it. Is it a right fit for you? Because I do know a lot of PMs who decided to enter the PM role because, uh, you know, maybe it was well paying for them. Maybe it looked lucrative on your resume or something like that, but they eventually ended up moving to something else. So I think one advice I would also have for anyone asking this question, how to plan that. I think we already discussed on a good action plan, but really do a, kind of a mind map analysis of where you want to be in five to 10 years and does a PM role even take you there? Do not make a decision only because you think it's a lucrative career because you know five years uh, later, something else may look like a lucrative career. And there's a lot of downsides to being a product manager. Uh, if, it, if it goes wrong, it's your fault. If it goes right, it's, well, you, you, <laughs> you're just the product managers, the engineers and designers that 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 did uh, that brought the product forward. So there there are <laughs> there are definitely a lot of challenges with being a product manager. But I like I like how you're framing that in terms of helping think about where you want to go in your career and in, in seeing if that actually is a fit. Um, so other another question we have here in the chat is how did you manage the pivot from ed tech to fintech? Um, we definitely touched on a little bit, but it sounds like it was it was coming from. Uh, uh, a recruiter, if I'm not mistaken, in terms of, I guess, the initial entry point, and then and probably there's a bit more there too, right? Yeah. So, so I think whenever you are thinking about transitioning, especially domains, it is really important that why you want to really do it. And like I said, I think I uh, touched a bit on things which really mattered to me and I deeply cared about. I was very clear that which domain of products I want to work in. And EdTech, FinTech, and HealthTech were things I was very clear that if I have to pick a company, I would want to pick in that. And my reason to move from EdTech to FinTech was that. So that answers the part that why I really wanted to go into FinTech because I had invested four, five years, six years in EdTech 
I wanted to work in fintech, and that cleared like my barrier that okay, I do want to work in fintech. The second part is really being able to plan your transition. So there are two parts to it. One is I don't think in a lot of scenarios and a lot of roles, especially because they are generalists, companies always need a fintech experience all the time. What they do need is some of the prerequisite skills, uh, and those skills. I think overlap doesn't matter what kind of product you are building in, which can be around uh, how you can build customer centric products, how business acumen do you have, do you understand nuances of customer experience design, uh, are you a good stakeholder manager and a communicator, can you narrate your story and your craft your product story in a way that you know you can align those 20 stakeholders together to work for a common cause, so those things remain common, but of course when we come to the second point that only the skills would not get you the job you want because in some scenarios they would want you to have some understanding of fintech now of course because you are in a different domain you may not have that experience but i think one thing that really helps is how strong learner you are and i think that is an infectious thing because it attracts every interviewer so if you are really planning a transition, not just to fintech, but any other domain, I think it is really important for you to be close to that. And not in terms that, you know, you just know what are the top players and what things they launched and how much funding they got and what's their valuation, because all that is good. All that gets too much visibility anyways. But for you to able to understand that why some of those companies even exist in the first place, what is the customer need in those scenarios? When you go a bit deeper into why that industry exists, why some of those competitors exist, uh, any company you are applying for, how they are working, being able to critique that, how they have built their products, what is good and bad into that, that actually helps you clarify what value you, you bring on table. And actually no one takes offense of some of those things too. So one of the exercises I always recommend uh, whenever I do product workshops is have a habit of doing product critiques with yourself if you do not have a group of people or with other PMs who are, you know, uh, always keeping track of the market. So for example, let's say uh, you are interested into FinTech and there are 30 companies you shortlisted in US and 20 companies outside of US that you think are doing good work. And one of them can be a prospective employer for you when you decide to go into FinTech. Can you start using their product to the level of depth that you are able to really see? Is that app a performant app? Like are there, uh, is the app responsive? Is the app accessible? Are the color themes and logics really well used? Are mobile principles really well used? Um, is the sign up flow going well for that? Did you make a transaction if it's a transaction app or how the information is being presented? Uh, is the app, you know, more culturally sensitive if they are operating into multiple countries, right? Like uh, red can be a color of, you know, kind of negative color in US, but red is auspicious color in China. Uh, mm, so yeah. have you, has that app taken care of all those things? So just do product critiques because it actually helps you learn so many things. And like one of the, one of the things which always fascinated me is the Coke case study that when Coke launched in uh, Middle Eastern countries, they had uh, some boards. And again, I, I don't know on the authenticity that much, but I've actually seen that happening in some of my experiences also, that there are some languages which are read left to right. Uh, there are some languages which are read right to left. And brands have made very big mistakes when they don't acknowledge some of those nuances. And that is one thing you can do if you want to change domains that understand the nuances of those domains, uh, you know, where that product operates, you want to go where that industry operates. Do you understand the problems of those consumers? And trust me, if you would apply with, with the knowledge, with that knowledge, you'd not need to always put that in a resume. You have understanding. You can always reach out to the hiring managers. Um, and I think at least in the ecosystem now, a lot of people are open to having conversations, at least introductory informal conversations to find the right candidate because hiring is so hard, uh, right? Like getting a right candidate can make or break your product in some senses. So I think hiring managers are also getting very open to accommodate people coming from different backgrounds. And if, if you would have information, you would always be able to have a informal candidate chat, just reach out to them on email or Twitter or, you know, LinkedIn and have a conversation. And I think not everyone may be able to speak with you, but a good portion would be able to speak with you. If you are able to clearly articulate your intent and your knowledge. I love it. These are, these are really great tips. Um, 
This is this is really definitely helpful for for folks who are just getting started. And, and I'm, I'm curious from in that vein for folks who are just trying to let's just say they're they're in a, a non technical like some of the folks in the chat they're in a non product role today and they're trying to move into product. What 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 tips do you have for them? No product experience at all. Your resume is uh, maybe you're in accounting or finance or something not product at all. What 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 tips do you have to to get them get them started, especially even as yourself as a hiring manager, or maybe from other things that you've seen as a as a PM? Yeah, absolutely. How, how, how do they jump that start? Is, that is a great question, especially because, yeah, no, absolutely. And I think so many people are interested into the domain, and sometimes um, it's about getting that first start. And I think the first start has to be you really starting to work on some of those learning skills and one of the models which i think has worked with uh, with with a lot of people i have personally interacted with is really being able to define kind of a skill heat map of where you are so for example let's say if you are a business analyst uh, working in a bank for example you are able to clearly define that hey let's say there are 20 skills as a whole which are required for a pm 10 are required 10 are preferred and you are great at data uh, you are great at finance for example uh, you are having high level of let's say software understanding because you do write small basic programs so you are able to kind of create a heat map whether you are into let's say business analytics kind of roles whether you are an engineer or whether you are uh, you know, a consultant or a, a you know investment banker, whatever domain you are in, try to really have a clear understanding of heat map of the role you want to go in. And again, product ma manager is kind of a very generic word. Uh, there are so many various flavors of product manager, which you really need to be able to narrow down on because you may have great skills to be a growth product manager, but may not be a platform product manager. You may become a great, uh, let's say, product strategy person, but maybe not a great product execution person. So I think as the industry has evolved, companies also are very willing to find people who are experts in one or two domains, and they are not a generalist who are able to do everything. Of course, you would find a major portion of roles which do want generalist, and then you can kind of groom yourself into the job as well. But I think the first exercise you should do is understanding the kind of PM roles you want to target and where you have a fit and do that. Once you do that, I think it would be kind of 25% of your job done because now you know things you are not great at, but they are prerequisite for a product manager, uh, which can be about basic understanding of engineering or design, right? Like it is very hard for you to operate in a consumer PM role if you do not understand basics. And I think like Blaine said that you do not need to design the APIs, but you need to understand that in order to power your experiences, how that would work out. So understand the fundamentals, understand the basics of those domains, simply understand design principles, understand what makes a good experience, because it is not just about making a pretty experience. It is about a usable experience, which works for. Uh, similarly, if your skill is into, let's say, uh, you're from non-finance background and you think you want a role into a fintech, then you do need to understand uh, some details on to how financial services really work, why financial services exist in the first place, how banks work. So I think the summary and what I'm really indicating towards is the moment you are able to map what you want as a role and what is the gap between those, you are able to really work on that. And there are two ways to work on it. And I'll actually highlight both because everyone has a different style of learning. Again, some people are self-starters. They do not need, um, you know, any external motivator. They would find resources themselves. They would start working on it. They would start connecting with PMs. If PM is the role they want to go in, <clears throat> if they are an engineer in their company and they want to transition into a PM role, I had a tech lead who wanted to transition to a product role. And he said that, hey, uh, how I can do that? I said, the first thing is you can at least get a glimpse that would you even like the PM role? And what he started doing is he started contributing to some of the work which I was doing. So he would contribute into managing the scrum meetings, for example. He would start helping in uh, you know, basic understanding of how we are working on zero to one products where engineer does not have a role to play yet, but he would be able to bring inputs of how we can design and estimate and do some of those things right. He started reading my PRDs before the team and started contributing on that. Now, 
that is a, also a good way for you to ask for help if you are in a company where you have pms and you you know uh, can either find a good mentor or you can find someone who can provide you opportunities to do a small portion of work now of course you would be doing it over and above probably your job role but then that gives you a self starter motivation the second if you think that you know you really want to be a pm but you're not able to self start and you're not able to find direction there is always an option to really you know find some structured programs again i am not a fundamental believer in a lot of them because i think uh sometimes you may not be able to pay for them sometimes they may be costly for them sometimes you may still not study because not everyone who when goes to college is always able to you know get the best out of it and um, that's why i want to highlight that if you really want to do something you need to find ways to be a self starter for that but if you really think you need structure you need someone to teach you that you can always find programs and there are great programs great people you know teaching those and if you are ready to invest and put money on table for those that's also an option for that though i would personally always recommend you and again to emphasize try to find ways how you can be a self starter rather than relying on you know an external motivator or an external paid program love it really really great tips to to help people get started and um different ways to approach it too and i think throughout tonight we we definitely covered a lot of different uh, resources from blogs and podcasts to to check out as well as just finding folks in your current organization or future organization um to reach out and, and connect with so uh sarah this has been this has been really awesome uh really appreciate uh, you taking the time to come out and chat with us thank you for listening to our product manager chat be sure to check out our other episodes where we talk with product managers from across the tech world and learn about how they got started and chat about all things product.